Good morning and welcome to worship here at Naples United Church of Christ in Naples, Florida. My name is Dawson Taylor and I have the great privilege of serving as senior minister. And again, I want to welcome you and say how grateful we are to have you worshiping with us this morning, especially if you're worshiping with us for the first time. No matter if you're joining us via live stream, Facebook Live, or if you download our podcast later this week, we are grateful for all the ways that technology connects us, especially in this time of social distancing and during our, uh, this time of pandemic. I'm really grateful and excited to have our Minister for Congregational Care, Reverend Dr. Deb Kaiser-Cross, back with us. Unfortunately, this morning, uh, Dr. Becky Weiss-Rumpf is not with us. Her mother, Helen Weiss, a faithful member of our congregation who meant so much to so many of us, passed away earlier this week. And so Becky and Bill are in West Virginia in uh, Becky's hometown uh, today, preparing to say good, their final goodbye to Helen tomorrow. And so of course our hearts and our prayers and thoughts are with Becky and Bill today. I hope that you'll join us following worship today for our virtual gathering place. Again, as part of our Saturday night e-blast, uh, preparing for worship today, you will have a button that you can press that will take you directly to the gathering place after worship. However, if you didn't receive that email or if you can't quite find it today, we certainly understand. And we hope that you'll feel free to call the church office at 239 2615469 and one of the staff will be more than happy to help you uh, with that. The next phase of our Mighty Mask Ministry has arrived and you can get your very own Naples United Church of Christ branded mask. You will see the clergy team wearing them during worship and frankly if you're here in Naples and see me around town I know you'll see me wearing it around town they're made by Land's End, and for $15, we will gladly send you one. What I'm most excited about, however, is that $5 for every mask purchase goes to the Harry Chapin Food Bank to continue our partnership with them and to continue making an impact in our community. We know, especially after our uh, interview last week with Richard LeBur, that hunger continues to be a challenge in this time. And so we hope that you, uh, if you would like to have one, please uh, re uh, email us at masks at naplesucc.org and let us know how many you would like. Again, they're $15 a piece. And even if you live locally or if you're away for the summer, we will mail them to you. And uh, that price, uh, that cost is included in the price. And so we hope that you will get a NUCC mask and again, stay safe, but also uh, show some of your church pride. And I also want to wish Longtime NUCC member Dorothy Roberts, a very happy 100th birthday tomorrow. She is a longtime member of our Perky Patchers, our quilting ministry, and uh, we just want to wish Dorothy a very happy birthday tomorrow. So, of course, as an intergenerational congregation, let us center our hearts and our minds as we prepare for worship this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. 
Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask, O God, that in this time of worship that you would speak either through me or in spite of me, but that above all else we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. The epitaph on the grave of Albert Camus, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1957, reads, Here I understand what they call glory, the right to love without limits. In our scripture reading this morning, we come across two characters, two people who love without limits, and yet neither of them come across in this passage as very glorious. One is a tired, itinerant preacher named Jesus. The other appears to be a single mother who we are not even given the most basic piece of information, her name. But interestingly, for the times that we are living in, she is identified by her ethnicity. She is Canaanite. The Canaanites were the people from whom the ancestors of the Jewish people took their land. The dialogue that takes place between these two figures does not appear very loving, at least not at first. In fact, this is actually one of my favorite glimpses into the character of Jesus because it actually portrays him in a little bit of an unflattering Light, Not because I have some strange desire to knock Jesus off a literal or figurative throne, but because this is such a rich and such a counterintuitive understanding of the child of God. As their dialogue proceeds, we see each of them breaking through our perceived limits of love. The woman begins by shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And we don't actually know what this means. We do know that it is not something that people typically shout in Jesus' day or, frankly, our day. I don't know if you've ever had a child who has had a problem. And I'm not talking about a broken arm or the chicken pox. I'm talking about one of those problems that keeps you up at night 
and makes you worry about what your friends and your family will say. An issue that carries stigmas like mental health problem or behavioral problem or addiction. You know the kind of problem that makes neighbors whisper as they walk by your home? If you have, then you probably know something about the limits that this woman had to break through to shout about demons and her daughter to this stranger named Jesus. You know how first she had to love her child enough to admit that something was not right. You know the feeling that she had to admit to herself This is not something they'll grow out of. This is not just a stage they're going through. The next limit this mother's love had to break through was her belief that she could handle whatever was wrong by herself. Trust me. I know that a parent's love and a parent's wisdom can work a lot of miracles. I have seen it and I have experienced it firsthand. And that's the way that most parents do most parenting. And it must be gut-wrenching for a parent to admit that they cannot do for their children what their children need. On top of that, there are some things that it is okay for kids to have wrong with them and that there are things that are not okay. People talk and laugh loudly at the pool that they have put into their child's orthodontist's backyard or the price of piano lessons or the price of allergy shots. But you know, I rarely hear a parent talk about AA meetings or suicide attempts except in the privacy of my office or their home. It takes a lot of love to ask for help, does it not? It means breaking down the limits that pride puts on love. And that is what this remarkable woman did. She swallowed her pride, she cleared her throat, and she started shouting so that everyone could hear perhaps the darkest secret in her life. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. The woman comes to Jesus with a problem. Her daughter needs healing. This is not unusual. 
The Gospels tell us time and time again that people came to Jesus all day long with similar problems. But in our story this morning, the Gospel writer of Matthew says, Jesus did not answer her at all. If you've ever asked someone for help, you can imagine how devastating the silence must have been. I read once about the administrator of a large mental health clinic that employed dozens of counselors. And the administrator wrote about what he called the BYMF factor. A BYMF is a beautiful young male or female. He noted that whenever an attractive-looking young adult entered the clinic, the receptionist immediately gave that person more attention and was more detailed in giving directions. The intake person also tended to see the attractive young adult more promptly and appeared to give more thought about an appropriate match with a counselor. Elderly people, people who were not attractive people who were obviously poor or of a minority race got considerably less attention, were likely to wait longer at the receptionist's desk, had a perfunctory intake interview, and often had to wait longer to get an appointment with a counselor. The administrator wrote, all of this happened in a place where people were committed to accepting everyone impartially and unconditionally. They would swear up and down that everyone got equal treatment regardless of race, creed, color, class, gender, or age. However, if you have ever been or are now the wrong race, color, class, gender, or age, you know that you get treated differently. You know that you are ignored more than people who are younger, whiter, have straighter teeth, wealthier, or are male. Our scripture shows us a very human side of Jesus. Some scholars suggest that Jesus was deliberately testing the woman's faith. Other commentators ask us to hear the humor in the voices of both Jesus and the woman when he says to her, it's not fair to take children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she replies, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table." Jesus was only joking, the commentators say, and the woman got it, and she joins in the repartee. Either theory, of course, is possible, and we certainly don't want a prejudiced Jesus. Or do we? Because don't prejudiced people 
need a savior too? The fact is, everyone has prejudice at some level. Surely, the recent riots and work on anti-racism has either taught or reminded all of us of our privilege and our need to examine these issues further. Perhaps the humanity of Jesus is showing that in its most vulnerable way, Jesus had to push through his own limitations in order to love people exactly as they are. This idea of Jesus being fully human and fully divine is known as the hypostatic union. It is the theology used to describe the union of Christ's humanity and divinity in one individual existence. Centuries ago, Christians decided that we must live with a logical contradiction when we talk about Jesus. Jesus was completely divine and completely human. Kierkegaard called it the ultimate paradox. I read recently about a conversation between a mother and her six-year-old son. The six-year-old had been recently blessed with a new baby brother. One day, as his mother was working in the kitchen, she picked up his little brother and held him close. I guess even at the age of six, the big brother was a little jealous. And so he asked his mother a hypothetical question. Mommy, could you pick me up? At first, she dismissed it by saying, you're too big to pick up. But then said something interesting but I could pick you up if your life depended on it. Well, that was a new thought for the six-year-old. So he decided to test this logic a little further. Could you pick daddy up if his life depended on it? Now his father was six foot two and his mother was five foot four. And she responded, Yes, if his life depended on it, I could and I would pick him up. The little boy seemed to be deeply reassured. You see, he realized he was loved with a love that would do the impossible if called upon. the Canaanite woman decided to believe in a love that would do the impossible to save her daughter if called upon. 
she decided to believe in a love that would cross all barriers. Part of the reason that she believed in that kind of love is because she loved with that kind of love. Perhaps, my friends, there is no challenge and no greater gift than the glory of loving without limits.